Kia ora, welcome to Asian and Aotearoa, a podcast of uncensored conversations with Asian creatives. I'm Jenna, and in this episode, I chat with Bala Maruli Shingare. Bala is an award-winning writer, director, and actor, working across theatre, film, and television based in Tamaki Makoto. His play, Bob Shankar, is on at Q Theatre in early September. See the link in the show notes and get your tickets. Enjoy. Welcome, Bala. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Would you mind doing a little self-intro? Self-intro, yep. Kia ora, my name is Bala Murali Shingare. I work as a writer, director, actor on stage and in screen. And I'm based in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, New Zealand. I invited you on the podcast ages ago. And I liked your response. Do you remember what you said? I think I remember saying something about uh, having a tricky relationship with the term Asian. Yes, you described yourself as having complicated thoughts about identifying as Asian in an Aotearoa context. You said, I am Asian in a literal definition sense, but in terms of my personal feelings towards the label, it's a bit more complicated. Tell me more. Well, I guess, like, it's not surprising or shocking to say that the term Asian is such a fraught fraught term and it describes such a huge uh group of people right because mm-hmm. yeah the term asian is like a term describing many 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 different groups of people yeah any of those terms that try to describe like literally billions of people <laughs> yeah is kind of uh, an interesting term because it's not really ever going to capture the diversity of those people right yeah, it's like saying african like that what does that mean yeah like that's a, such a huge number of um, people and different diverse cultures and you know religions and languages and different peoples and I think it's like interesting because sure there are definitely things that tie a lot of Asian peoples together but those things that tie those Asian peoples together also tie us Asians with other people yeah together right yeah. like people often tout sort of um tout is that a word people often talk about family values right Mm. this idea of asian cultures being really family focused like that exists in like samoan communities yeah totally and i grew up with a lot of like polynesian friends and and there's like the idea of being brown as well is something that exists that ties those particular communities together like south asian communities and polynesian communities and so yeah i think asian is is such a weird term because it's like trying to group billions of people together and and claiming some version of like, I don't know, uh, sameness between such a diverse group of people. Mm. But I'm also not saying that I want Asianness to just disappear. I'm not like a separatist that's like, <laughs> you know, we are not the same yeah. or anything like that. It's just yeah. like, how can you put certain people in Asian and then certain people not within Asian? Also, what is it based on? Like geographical lines that were drawn by people sailing boats like yeah. several hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Also, probably not the people who were in quote-unquote Asia. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I think it's also that specific thing of like being in New Zealand as well, it's different because in England, for example, the term Asian actually refers to South Asians, to brown Asians, right? Like when when people think Asian in England, they think of like Indian and Pakistani people first. Whereas in New Zealand, I think when people say Asian with nothing else, you think of East East Asians. But just because there's the higher population, right? Yeah. 
um, and higher presence in sort of the media and in politics and in probably everything, right? Just because there's more in terms of population numbers. So then if that's the case here, but then in England it's the other way around, like there's where's the consistency of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so then how does that, you know? Yeah, it just, makes it, yeah, it just yeah. makes it a tricky term to use, I find. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But I am Asian, I'm not, I'm not having Asians. I know, I know, you did say yes to coming on, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had your older brother on the podcast last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you guys different and how are you similar? Oh, we're very different. He is awesome, he's like uh, one of my like great mentors and like classic big brother. What's the age um, difference? five years four four or five years he's obviously very like um intellectual and sort of fulfilled by thinking and by discussion and debate and like that's kind of his job right doing philosophy and i enjoy that as well i would say like in the crudest sense like i'm not nearly as smart as him um but i like to do stuff like um in terms of my arts career how are we different i don't know I don't know. I don't think that is that something for me to say or like other people point out. I've been told that we're very, very different and I can see that. But also it's like when you've known someone your whole life. Yeah, yeah. They're just who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Uh, do you think we're different so far? I feel like you've talked to me for like five minutes. (laughs) Five minutes. Well, you sound different, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think on the similar thing, though, he is very artistically inclined as well. Yes. Because he's obviously a singer. Yes. He did like drama in high school. He, yeah. He's he's an artist as well. Yeah. Oh, so I t- guess, totally. I, I see. Guess I, there's that similarity. I, when I'm seeing you both in your work, I'm like, oh my god, you're both creating pretty awesome work, expressing yourselves yeah. in these different ways. Yeah. Thanks. That's really kind. And so, as someone who writes, directs, and acts, which discipline are you most comfortable with? I'm probably most confident or comfortable in directing for screen because that's the discipline and the format, I guess, that I've had lots of formal training in, whereas the other disciplines I've been trained in a much more loose and kind of fluid way, mm-hmm. I'd say. And I've prob- that's probably the one that I started out doing, um, directing for screen. I don't, I, I don't think I'm a... I say I'm a writer because I write, but... I don't think I'm a very good writer, mm-hmm. and it's and it's probably like the one that I want to work on the most, maybe. Which of those hats do you prefer wearing? It changes. It comes it and goes. It? Yeah, I really like acting, but then you do it for a while, and then I get the itch of wanting to direct my own thing, you yeah. know. And then I go and direct, and I'm like, man, this is stressful. I just want to go and have someone tell me what to do now. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. So you kind of go in phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read an interview. Oh gosh. <laughs> Where you were talking about your first play and you asked what makes a person who they are? Who are you when you're not being a writer, director, actor? I think I'm just a normal guy. Like, you know, I do what everyone else does. I, I watch a lot of TV. I uh, I really love cooking. I hang out with my family a lot. I hang out with my friends when I can and... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not particularly like exceptional. I don't think. Maybe that's like New Zealand. My New Zealandness <laughs> oh, yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah. Do you remember posing that question? What makes a person who they are? Like when you were. I think about is that? that to do with the um, proudly Asian theatre? Yeah. yeah. I think I was. Um, that was the first time I was writing something for theatre, and it was in that context of proudly Asian theatre and and that whole Asian theatre community. Yeah. Where identity is such a big um, uh, 
topic. Yeah. Right. And so I think I was just like, I fell into that idea of like, okay, let's wrestle with this topic now. Mm. Let's do identity stuff. And I wrote the play and it was fun. And then I kind of um, left it there. I think I, d- I didn't do anything. <laughs> you shut with the door the, on identity. That's it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was just like, I don't want to know. No, I think it's not so much I don't want to know. It's like, I don't, um, I guess I've got a lot of privilege in that I don't um, have that same fight with identity that a lot of people that I know have got. And I don't want to downplay their uh, experiences at all. But just to say that I was like asking those questions because I was like, because it was what everyone was doing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so I, got, I got to write a thing. So, now. but you don't really say that again. You weren't really, that wasn't really an issue for you or you weren't kind of struggling with it. How um, come? Well, no, I guess not to say I wasn't struggling with it, but it's, it's a topic that I had lost interest in, mm. I think, because, because I guess take it back ages ago, like high school, intermediate school, primary school type of vibes. And that's probably when it was most present president that's when it was most present yeah i guess charting it like born in india to parents from different ethnic communities came to new zealand when i was about four or five started primary school we had heaps of family friends here who were from the same city that we were from in india so already heaps of privilege there like mean community of people that i was connected to intermediate school heaps of diverse friends like from all over the place the street that i lived on i had friends from like the islands from africa from india pakistan like everywhere and um and then i went to high school and i went to high school at uh, mount albert grammar school mm-hmm. so mags and uh they have like academic streaming mm-hmm. and so you're like put in classes according to your abilities and specifically in maths and uh english and so if you are kind of uh, higher achieving in maths and English, you, you, you get put into a certain class. And if you're lower achieving those, you get put into another class. And naturally that cl- creates a divide and t- on like ethnicity lines um, for reasons that are much bigger than just some people are smarter than others. I don't think that's a thing. So then what happened was by the time I left high school, all my closest friends were white New Zealanders. And I love my friends, but I did like feel a kind of weird feeling of being the only uh, non-white person maybe mm. and at the same time I had outside of school I had my family friend circle kind of grow smaller because people were either moving out to West Auckland and going to different schools or would like jumping ship and going to Australia and then in a sort of third or fourth year of uni I did some work with Prayas Theatre Company oh, yeah. which is a South Asian community theatre group here in Auckland and that was awesome because I was like able to connect with other South Asian New Zealanders how old were you? Uh, like 22 Mm. and I had a great time we put on some plays and I did a play with them like every year for 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 several years and at the same time I kind of got involved with Pat Proudly Asian Theatre met heaps of people through press obviously and then I was like whoa there's like so many cool people doing really cool things here and a lot of the friends that I went to uni with well not a lot of them but like a few of the friends that I went to uni with did this cross medium thing as well like Nyon she's awesome she she and I went to uh, film school together or mm. uni together and she also like started working in theater and now she's like written big plays for yeah. like silo and stuff it's it's pretty crazy but uh <coughs> excuse me do you want so, a water uh i can go get one I really do you reckon how do you rude. no 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 you're good you're talking about you and nyan film school how ca- you're, you so, you moved through that identity stuff when you're yeah, younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess um, 
doing that work with Prayas was was really fulfilling and satisfying and I got to be part of this like awesome community of people from all over India and a couple of people from like Sri Lanka and Pakistan even and and I guess it gave me like that those relationships or those friendships that I didn't really have in high school yeah that I had when I was a kid if that makes sense that I didn't have anymore yeah because those people all moved to Australia mm. <laughs> And then when I got involved with like the Proudly Asian Theatre and just the Asian theatre and film community in general, it was like, oh, this is cool. Like so many people making cool work and yeah. and it just, a lot of it tended to be about identity and I was like, okay, cool. I guess that's the thing. Like, yeah. Let me do a thing about that as well. And then, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I just kind of did it and I was like, great. Cool. What's the next thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it just hasn't been like a struggle for me in terms of the identity thing. It's like I am who I am. Yeah. I kind of know who I am. Yeah. I'm cool with it. And I know who my people are and yeah. like, it's great. Awesome. But also my identity is not that like, you know, the idea of like intersectionality. Like I'm not, I'm straight. So like, yeah great like i'm a guy so <laughs> yeah. like great great not great as in great but like <laughs> but you know what i mean it's yeah, kind of yeah. it's kind of like i don't have nearly the 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 complicated struggles that other people might Absolutely. have yeah. which i totally can acknowledge maybe part of it as well as like I, I did that work with that particular play and then i was like cool now now get out of the way so other people can talk you know mm, yeah so i was like other people have There's more other interesting stuff, stuff to say i'm sure other people's identity stories are far more interesting. Mm. And I can talk about other things maybe that yeah. are interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just because you're Asian doesn't mean that everything you create has to be about that. No, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that's a place that hopefully we can get to yeah. one day. Uh, like Riz Ahmed talks about it in, in stages. Like he's like, there's the stereotype phase, which we all grew up with. Yeah. And then there's like stage two is when people are being cast in roles that are about their identity, but it's slightly authentic, like it's slightly more authentic, which is probably where we are now. And then there's a stage after that where we're still cast in stereotypical roles, but it's authentic, but then we're subverting it. Mm. And then there's a stage after that where it's like anyone's cast in anything and it's not about who you are necessarily. Yeah. 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 Mm. How comfortable are you? With being seen as a leader. A leader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because that's, that's one of the themes of this of this. Season. Oh, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> but, Shit, um, yeah. yeah. How comfortable are you being seen as a leader? I think it depends on the context. Like, in certain contexts, I'm I'm definitely comfortable seeing being seen as a leader. And in other contexts, I would never presume to come close to trying to lead. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's contextual. It's yeah. contextual. And so... Uh, when I am in a space where I feel like I can lead, mm. I'm comfortable attempting to be a leader, and I try. Mm. But I, I guess directing is one of those things, right? Yeah. Like directing, yeah. you're kind of, you are kind of a leader of totally. sorts. Totally, yeah. But directing is cool because it's one of those like leadership roles where you're not actually the one doing the stuff. You're just working with other people who are really good at what they do if that makes sense. So when you're talking to the actors and you're directing something, you're not the one that's doing the acting, that's playing the character. Or if you're talking to the cinematographer, you're not the one that's, you know, putting the lights in specific mm. areas 
and so it's a really gratifying sort of leadership where it's like just talking to people and figuring out how you can work to best support their craft and you're, you're enabling ju- them. you're enabling yeah as opposed to like i don't know other types of leaders that can be quite like authoritative or something mm. i don't think i could do that what makes a great leader or director that's a great question I think a, it's like kind of corny and there's like a million movies about this, but I think a great leader is a great follower. Mm. Like, a, <laughs> oh, <wow>. profound, right? <laughs> um, but it's true. Like a, a, a good leader and I guess specifically a director, a good director knows when the other person's idea is better than theirs. Mm. And if you're a good director, you will always let the best idea win rather than always letting your idea win. So you got to let go a little bit. You got to let go. Yeah. Mm. And you got to have a sense of the bigger picture, the bigger, grander vision of everything. And then it's just about people skills and like, and craft, I guess. The craft of filmmaking itself. I feel like that was a vague answer. No, it was good. I'm dodging here. No, no, no. That was, no, that, no, that was definitely, (laughs) that was definitely good. How would you describe your leadership? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can describe my leadership. Give it a go. How might someone describe your leadership? Other people have told me that I'm like really excited when I get on set. And that is sem- that's definitely like a true thing. And it's a conscious thing. Like I like to exude excitement for being there. Because filmmaking is such a privilege, right? It takes so much money to put these people in a room together with all this flash gear. Yeah. That it's like... You better be grateful and excited to be there every day. So even if you're not feeling excited, are you trying to like ensure that you are instilling that and kind of yeah. by osmosis, osmosis yeah. getting that into other people? Hundred percent, yeah. Because mm. I've been on sets where where the stress comes from the top, yeah, and and the <laughs> the the sort of the pressures of the production can kind of like um, seep through the crew and the cast. Yeah, and I guess I try to be conscious of that and try to put on a facade of like this is really exciting we can solve any problem even if it doesn't feel like that yeah yeah what is my leadership like i don't know it's 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 i think that's important you want to bring the vibe it's a vibe leadership yeah <laughs> great my leadership it's is a vibe, vibe leadership. <laughs> <laughs> my leadership is a vibe yeah but it's also listening to um to people and it's that thing of knowing that you're not always going to have the best idea in the room and more often than not you don't to be honest you surround yourself with people who are really, really good at what they do. And then you listen to them. And you, as a director, you're just kind of holding the vision. But everyone else is doing the actual work to mm. bring you the vision, right? So you kind of owe it to them to let them do their best work. And you owe it to the project itself to mm. get out of the way and let everyone do the thing. And then just kind of ensure that everyone's working in a cohesive way to go towards this one goal mm. that everyone's, you know trying to achieve would you say that it takes courage to direct yes (laughs) i would say it takes courage to direct because do you remember the first time that you ever directed anything and were you like shitting yourself did it come naturally there's probably parts of it that come naturally i mean i don't think anything comes naturally i think everything is kind of like comes from a base of whatever skills you develop as a small thing and then a child and then a teenager and then an adult right um whether it's conscious or not so i guess the first time i can actively remember directing something would probably have been like high school media studies 
and I worked with a friend of mine. And at that point, you're just kind of like, you don't really know what directing is. You're just kind of like, hey, should we make this thing? Mm. Should we do this? Should we do that? And then you figure it out and then you put it together and then you're like, oh, cool. That was fun. Mm. And then the first time ever, like people were looking at you to like make decisions and being like, you are the director. It was, mm. was probably like one of my short films in my degree, like in my honors degree at the University of Auckland. And by then, the people that I was working with, I'd worked with so much that they were that it didn't require like uh, any sort of like weird bravery or courage it was okay. just like this is my project now okay. we did your one last week and you were the boss and this is my project and now i'm doing the things so it was just like friends helping friends doing their assignments right and then out in the real world it's like <laughs> it's weird because like my friend talks about this if if your name is just next to the role no one questions it no one questions, like, should this guy be the director? Should this person be the producer? Mm. Should this lady be in this role? They're just like, okay, cool, that person's doing that. Sweet, they're the person that I have to listen to. And in the industry, it's just like, there's no time to question who's in what role. You just do the work. Yeah. And so it does take a bit of courage, but it's also, like, kind of reassuring that, like, if your name is next to a particular role, no one's going to question <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> okay, Creativity. You won an Arts Foundation Springboard Award in 2020 and were mentored by Oscar Kitely as part of that. What was that experience like? It was awesome. It was so um, validating, I guess, and gratifying. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Springboard Award came in two parts, right? The, f the first was that the, there was like a um, financial reward that was 15 grand and for like a freelancer that's just come out of film school and wants to make stuff it's like oh hell oh, yeah ka-ching ka-ching <laughs> yeah, ka yeah. is right and it was awesome and it was like wow people actually like take me seriously as a as like a real person yeah which was strange oh. firstly but then when they told me i got it i was like are you are you sure <laughs> that's like my default reaction to anything ever now really I was like are you sure like did you get the right guy but um it's probably just the new zealander in me yeah that's another problem but no, it was great. The financial stuff was like so validating and it was just like, oh, this is cool. Like this is, and I think this is what the Springboard Award is designed for. It's for, the, it's the Arts Foundation kind of basically picking people and saying like a career in the arts is possible and keep going mm -hmm. is kind of what the Springboard Award is for. And it's been doing that now for like four or five years. And then the second part was the mentorship with Oscar Kiteley and Oscar's great. He like growing up, I literally grew up in Morningside and watched Brotown as a as a kid so yeah. I knew who yeah. Oscar was awesome and um to have him mentor me was just like this is cool this is the cool thing about New Zealand is like you can actually meet your heroes and have them chat to you and have them mentor you yeah and so with Oscar I um, worked on a feature film screenplay that he kind of helped feedback with and mentor me with and that year was it was like just a year long um and it was great I loved it. It's that thing about identity as well. Like he's not quote unquote Asian, but he totally gets the kind of stuff that I'm trying to do yeah. because he comes from a similar background of being like in a big family. Yeah. Not that I'm in a big family, but a big community at least in kind of central Auckland, Morningside, like working class neighborhoods. Like he got the kind of stories that I wanted to tell and he got the sense of humor and all that stuff. And so that was a really enriching experience. What was the impact of that on your creative work or just actually in general? I think it was like it, it was a kick up the butt for me to take myself more seriously as well because mm. up until then I was just like 
I was working part time, so I was I was like earning and paying rent doing the classic retail hospo stuff. And then I was just kind of like taking my time with my creative stuff on the side and kind of trying to hustle but not really hustling. And then when I got the Springboard Award it was like you should do you should do more. Like you should hurry up and like keep going and like actually put your head down and do some work for yeah. once. So it, I kind of made yeah, these me people t- are, like looking at you. Yeah, like yeah. people people it's weird like people believe in you in a weird way. Yeah. Which just sounds corny but it's true I think. Like if people are willing to give you 15 grand it's like Bro, do something. I know. Do you know what? That's actually how I feel about this podcast. Yeah, I know. Right? It's actually with funding. That's it's crazy. I feel about, oh shit! Oh shit's getting real now. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. and it changes things. It, it it changes how you go about it, but it makes it. I think it makes it more. Um, I don't know. I think it's validating and makes it more s- serious in a way. Mm. And serious, not in like a not in a way that takes out the fun, but maybe significant. Yeah, would be a better word. What kind of tools, rituals, or environments are essential to your creativity? Other people, first and foremost. What kind of people? 100%. Uh, other creative people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but also not creative people. I mean, I think everyone's creative. Yeah, 100% other people is what fuels my creativity. So when I am faced with a deadline where I have to hand in a script that I'm writing by myself, I hate it. But then if it's like a, a theatre show that I'm working on with other people or a writer's room for a series or something with other people, or I'm on set, I'm just like juiced up by other people. I think I'm an extrovert that way. Like I get, I get my batteries charged by like working with other people and being around other people when um, I'm working. Yeah. Tell me about a show that's coming up. So I've got a theatre show on at Q Theatre as part of their Matchbox season. It's called Boom Shanka, uh, and it's on from the 6th to the 16th of September. You can buy your tickets at kfeater.com. Unless this is released afterwards. Hopefully no, 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 it'll be before. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It'll be fun. Um, okay, that theatre show uh, started like five years ago as a like a five-minute monologue as part of an anthology theatre show uh, called First World Problems 2.0, um, which was put on by Agarim Productions, which is Ahi Karanharan's production company mm-hmm. and Prayas Theatre Company and it was kind of like a a vehicle for people to try out writing and directing who hadn't done that before and so my friend Aman Bajaj wrote a piece with me so we both wrote it I performed the monologue and he directed me and it was Ahi's idea as well to like get us together in the first place because we like got along obviously as friends and we had similar senses of humour mm. And uh, people saw that five minutes and were, like, entertained, I guess. And they were like, this was hilarious. You guys should do more. And then our producer for the full-length theatre show, Gayatri Adi, came along and pitched us to the comedy festival. And, like, we got in. (laughs) But we didn't have a show. (laughs) Okay. Which was brave. Yeah. And then, yeah, we got these two nights at the comedy festival, the New Zealand International Comedy Festival. Yeah. And Aman and I were like, shit, we got to make a show. And it was like a 60-minute slot. So we made a theatre show, like, based on this five-minute monologue. We just extended it. He performed in it as well. So it became a two-hander theatre show. And we performed that at the Comedy Festival. It sold out. People loved it. And The Basement actually asked us to come back and do, like, a full-week season. We did that, and that sold out as well. And it was like, people really, like, are into this. Yeah. And lots of people came to The Basement 
for the first time just to see our theater show which was really validating right and it was so awesome to be to like introduce people to that space people to that space and people to the art form of theater like these are people who would go to you know the latest bollywood film in event cinemas in monaco or something for example or like go to the concerts of musicians who come over Mm. from around the world but to come to like the local basement theater and watch local artists put on some local work it was really cool and then we were supposed to uh take it on tour but then the big covid lockdown happened and instead we got some money to develop it and make it a better show because what we had basically done was Amin and I directed each other so we both wrote the play we both performed in it and we both directed each other so our rehearsal process was literally like (laughs) doing a scene in the dance studio and looking in the mirror and then being like how was that bro (laughs) maybe try this maybe try that and we did it and it was fun anyway last year we got some money to actually develop it and make it good and Ahi came on board as our director Mm. which is um really awesome he's he's the man yeah and, a legend um, he's a legend yeah. he's a living legend yeah and and so now he's directing our q matchbox season and q, the q matchbox uh season is a real step up for us it's like we're in um the loft upstairs at q theater which mm-hmm. is like a bigger space q theater is one of you know auckland's premier kind of theater venues so to be putting on our little show up there it's like it's a real um, privilege and honor, and it's super exciting. And I really want everyone to come and see it. It is exciting. I'm totally going to come. What do Should you I say th- what it's about? Or Yeah, what is it about? So Boom Shankar is about a uh, a bomb defusal officer named Shankar Shinde, played by me, who is uh, pretty incompetent, but quite overconfident. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but he basically okay, just... goes on this adventure yeah. uh, and... and and it's pretty strange. It's pretty wacky. And it's a two-hander with me and Amin. It's a bromantic comedy. Cool. Lots of laughs. Heartwarming. Very funny, hopefully. What do you think is the bit that's connecting with audiences? I think a lot of the feedback that we've had about the show is that the the central kind of highlight is the chemistry that Amin and I have as mm. performers. Because we're obviously good mates outside of working together. And we, and we have similar sense of humor. And we... On stage, it's the kind of show where we we kind of like, we're not trying to mess it up for each other, but we're having a good time on stage, you know? And so it's one of those things when you watch performers really enjoy themselves, Mm. then the audience really enjoys themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably the chemistry between the performers. It's a wacky script. It's like lighthearted and fun and kind of something we need now. Yeah. There's so much high quality stuff out there that's just super depressing. (laughs) That's why I love Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. I love Ted yeah. Lasso. Yeah. It's like good, good, you know, good TV. Yeah. That is optimistic. Not, yeah, yeah. I am so with you on mm. consuming stuff that's not going to have me like staring into space. Like, I know, right? Depression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So we're trying to make something that hopefully can leave people with a smile on their face at yeah. the end of the day. Awesome. What's the secret to a thriving collaboration? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you mean? It sounds like it sounds like you guys uh, have a good one going. Not too sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, a thriving collaboration. A couple of my mentors are um, from back in the day are Jacob Rajan and Justin Lewis of Indian Ink Theatre Company. Mm-hmm. And they've obviously had a collaboration that's lasted like 25 years or some shit. And Justin once told me, because I was like, how, how, how have you guys worked together successfully for like so long? Yeah. And he was basically like, he said something along the lines of separating the work from the personal and kind of treating the project as a third party. So if 
if one of them ever has an idea that the other one doesn't like or doesn't think works, they just talk about it as a as a separate entity. Like it's not the it's not like your idea. It's like the work itself. And so we're never actually talking about personal mm, there's stuff. detachment there's there. detachment there's yeah. a which sounds really like um inhumane or like not inhumane but no it's, I it think sounds a bit distant no and i it, think it's critical to i have think detachment. it's healthy yeah yeah and it's it, it kind of allows you to think like okay what's best for the work and what the work needs right now rather than like your your idea is dumb you know yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. that's just going to lead to bitterness yeah so but I if think, you're detached you can talk about the work without getting your sense of self tied up into that. And also testing. Like I think with Aman and me and even Ahi, like our process for Boom Shankar has been like a lot of testing. So we'll, we'll like write some stuff and then we'll test it. And then in the testing, everyone kind of lands on the same thing. Like, yeah, that didn't work. Or like, oh yeah, that's cool. Let's keep that. So then it's like, we don't have to talk about my idea. Mm. We just, let's just see my idea. Mm. And then let's see your idea. And then all of us will be able to figure out which one's working better. And so that collaboration comes naturally when you have set up a space where it's safe to like try different things and then fail very easily. That is one of my questions. What helps build a sense of collaborative safety on set? I think being being upfront about it, like talking about it, talking about safety, talking about collaboration, talking about the fact that we want to build collaborative safety goes a long way in building collaborative <laughs> safety you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. um it helps when people are aligned in what we want to do mm. like and and why what we are trying to do is important maybe because then you can remind yourself of why we're there in the first yeah. place because like like the onset example f- you can be on set for long long hours and it can be pretty draining and get pretty dark but if you always have in the back of your mind everyone has in the back of their mind why we're doing the thing we're doing and the end goal then it has that, or it helps create that collaborative safety, yeah. I think. Trust. How do you develop trust? <laughs> I, I, just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not, too, not too sure. <laughs> Pick the right people. Like, yeah, it's it's being upfront and talking about it. Like, I think you get a sense of it as well. If you start talking to someone about trust and mm. you feel like they've got a different understanding of it or they've got something else that they want to do, then it's like, cool we're not the best fit and that's totally fine you go your way i'll go mine do you trust your gut that rhymed <laughs> uh, <laughs> i do trust my gut i uh, well trust my gut's not maybe the right word i go with my gut all the time mm. because when my gut's right it's great and awesome i get to do i get to be right but not that that's my priority i don't care about being right but it's more when i mess up and i've gone with my gut I'm cool with it because there's no one else I can blame, mm. you know? The worst feeling, and I've had this sometimes, is like someone's convinced me of a thing and I haven't had the confidence maybe to be like, my gut's telling me we should do this other thing mm. and I'll go with their idea mm. and then it'll fail spectacularly. Yeah. That's the worst feeling, you know? I know. Whereas if my own gut fails me, then it's like, cool, I'm I'm down with that. Like, I'll grow from this and I'll learn, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'll learn from other people's bad ideas as well but i'll also have like a little bit of resentment i'm only human <laughs> right like yeah. yeah what are some tips what are some tips oh, for putting to <laughs> you're shaking your head i don't I do tips i haven't finished the question i don't do tips or advice i'm who yeah, am I? Yeah, what you don't need, okay let me just finish the question <laughs> okay what are some tips for putting together a successful funding application in my experience 
our own funding applications that have been successful have been the ones that are the most concise and clear. I sometimes find myself, when I write stuff like funding applications, uh, repeating myself heaps yeah. or rambling and trying to like Justify. convince them of yeah. like a million things when it's like, what is your point here? Like, just say your point, say it clearly and say why it's important. And then that's usually good enough. But the other thing is like funding applications are so tricky because you can write the best funding application in the world and still not get funded because our system is mm. is, is broken in terms of like the limited resources we have mm. and the and the competition. Like it's crazy how many people are trying to get funding as they should, but then how little funding there is that ends up being given to the people. But I think, yeah, being concise, being clear, being passionate and just sounding like a human. I feel like in one of the applications for Boom Shankar where we got the development funding, we talked about how our work brought new audiences to the theatre, like what I just told you about people coming to the basement for the first time, right? Mm. And that's a true thing that happened, but it's like something that you could easily forget. It's a story, right? Yeah. And when you're trying to put in like numbers or people and budgets and things like that, you can forget about the actual like, why are we doing this? Yes. But then if you paint yes. a picture, like the basement theatre in 2021, May the 23rd, was filled with like 90 people, aunties dressed in saris, young brown accounting students, like people who'd never been to the theater before mm. because of our show. Yeah. Then the person reading that would be like, oh well, shit, like, yeah, yeah. Dope. And maybe they'll be inclined to, but maybe not either as well. Like, it's never there's never, there's the, never yeah. a guarantee. So it's hard to give tips, you know, like, as you all know, funding applications are hard. Yeah. And they suck and we should all get money. <laughs> Yeah, well, this one was the only one that's been successful. Out of, I think hey, it was 100% hit ratio. <laughs> no, 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 one no, for no, one. Out of four. no, 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 it's not one for one. Uh, this is my, no, no, it was my fourth. That's my still pretty fourth. good, one from four. One from four is great. It's uh, like auditions, like, you could get one from, I'm pretty sure I did like 46 auditions before I booked my first one. Really? As an actor, yeah. It's pretty crazy out there. Shit. Wow. Yeah. I may have made that up, but it's something, okay. it's 40 something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it is for you, but it makes me, I, f I feel pressured, but not in a bad way. I think some of Because of the funding you mean? Or? Yeah. Well, I, I feel because like, there's something in me that's quite driven. Fuck, when I put in that impact report, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. 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 I feel Just because I know what the state is like. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Shit's getting real. Yeah. It's totally getting real. And you got to prove that's that impact report stuff, eh? you got to prove that the funding was worth it. Yeah. And so writing that stuff is almost more important than writing the funding application. you got to go back <laughs> oh, and be God. like, it, yeah. was, it was pivotal, it was vital, <laughs> it was blah, 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 blah. Or else people just don't, people just cut funding, right? Mm. And there's that thing at the moment, I forget who's leading it, but the um, Victoria University of Wellington's like cutting their theatre yes. like program. Yeah. And there's um, an ex-student or the head of the department or someone, I forget who it is, but they're like collating all these like testimonies of why a degree in theatre helped people. And they've got like hundreds of things, of testimonies. It's crazy because like, because the arts often don't give us tangible concrete results, mm. it's seen as less valued and, and that makes it harder for us to justify our case to the, the people in power who might not necessarily value the arts as much as we do. Or, or they don't connect how their valuing of the arts connects to the arts funding. Like they'll watch all the New Zealand TV shows and then at the same time they'll cut all the funding for arts. Mm. It's like how you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make how, it make how are you sense. doing that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're changing gears. Okay. okay. How do you feel about self love? Self love. Uh, 
I feel okay about it, I guess. I don't really think about self-love. What is self-love? What do you think about when you hear self-love? Like... What kind of person has a good amount of self-love? What do they do? Someone with a lot of spare time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so savage. <laughs> but I, I'm thinking of like a massage or something. Like, I love a good massage though. I don't know. Self-love sounds... It sounds a bit corny, huh? Yeah. Hey, I don't shy away from corny. I've said a couple yeah, yeah, of corny yeah, things yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-love. I don't know. It sounds like pampering oneself. Or are we talking like self-love, like self-esteem type self-love? Yeah. The reason I put it in mm. is something that I want to talk about. One of the themes that has come through from having all these conversations mm. with Asian creatives mm. is there's a lot of self-flagellation or just being hard on mm. oneself. Mm, 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 mm. That's why I'm curious. If I started talking about self-love, like what does that mean? Yeah, no, that's. I see what you mean. This is kind of not really answering your question, but it's talking about that self-flagellation being hard on yourself thing i think the soul for that is one soul for that for me at least being hard on myself is just to accept yeah that you're just another person and you're not that exceptional does that make sense because then you remove the expectation of having to be exceptional i think that's why we people are so hard on themselves like why are you being so hard on yourself why do you think that you're going to become freaking oh okay the best person xyz in the country you're not maybe you are but like this is what i say to myself yeah i'm not saying this to other people (laughs) (laughs) that that would be brave but it becomes easier to not be hard on yourself when you accept that you're just a person doing a thing and you're not okay you're not the most you're not the most you're not the most promising emerging freaking director that's come out of morningside like when you get these these bits of validation like the springboard award or the Q Theatre um, residency program or whatever. People like to turn people into celebrities, I think, especially mm. in the arts. And I'm like, I don't want to be a celebrity. And I don't think anyone should be a celebrity. We should celebrate people, for sure. And we should celebrate their work. But we shouldn't turn people into, like, this thing that's going to, like, change the course of the world or something, mm. you know? Like, like Ahi, if you, if you meet Ahi, he's just, like... He's just the guy doing the work. Yeah, Ahi actually helped me with my funding application. Ahi's amazing. So, See, that's the kind so of hello. like he will he will just do whatever and he'll do all the work and he'll he'll do the work. And I don't know, maybe he is hard on himself. He probably is hard on himself because really? he's like he's great. The the times when I am hard on myself is when I haven't done the prep, mm-hmm. or if I've just phoned it in, just showed up and left. If I haven't given it everything. Then I'm hard on myself. But if I've given it everything and then things don't go according to like, you know, some measure of success, then I'm not hard on myself. So that, so I guess when you're talking self-love, it's like that tone of voice when you're thinking about yourself. Mm. Is that like the kind voice? Uh, I'd say so. It's like it's like how your friends talk to you. Like, sure, it's 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 kind, but it's also not like, you're the best, bro. Like, you got this. Like, uh, I'm not. I'm not hyping myself up every day. Mm. I'm not using my inner monologue to make me feel good about myself. Because I'm also not using my inner monologue to make me feel bad about myself. Yeah, which is pretty good, Mm. given the state of the world Mm. and social media and stuff Mm. like that. Social media is a big one. I try to not be on social media. Okay. What do you consume, media-wise? I watch TV series. I watch films. I like to go back and watch films that I'm supposed to have watched that I have never seen. Like this year, I've been watching like Stanley Kubrick's films. Like everyone throws around uh. Kubrick, and I'm like, yeah, Kubrick, yeah, Kubrick. And I was like, I've never seen a Kubrick film. <laughs> and then you, you go, what? Uh, so far, I've watched, uh, I've watched a lot of them now. I've watched Paths of Glory, Spartacus, 
2001 Space Odyssey. I don't think I've watched any of them. Clockwork Orange, right? Oh, Clockwork Orange, yeah. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Orange is messed Clockwork up, though. Clockwork Orange. I watched that, you know, when I was like 19, 20, yeah. like a comms student. Like, yeah, let's yeah, watch yeah, this yeah. like a movie. My yeah. God, what the fuck? Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. But some of the, his other films are amazing. Like, Paths of Glory was fantastic. So you watch these films and you're like, oh, yeah, I get why he's the, one of the goats. Um, Are you good at switching off work stuff? No. Nah. I suck at that. I'm trying to get better, but it's tough when you freelance because you say yes to everything mm. and then you get into the, a point where it's like, oh, everything is due at once now. Okay, I guess I'm going to pull a couple of like 15 hour days in a row mm. because the due dates are all at the same time, right? Like, it's yeah, I think I'm getting better at switching off. And trusting that the next gig will come. So I don't have to say yes to everything, which means I get my evenings back. How hard is it to trust that? Oh, really hard. Yeah. Especially after COVID. Yeah. After COVID, things like... We could we could get into... I mean, I don't think the government would do it, but we could get into a lockdown tomorrow, right? Mm. Or we lived for a few years where that In was a reality, crazy. right? Like, that yeah. was a possibility. We could go into lockdown like that. Yeah. And so there was a... Yeah, there was he- huge anxiety around, like, w- where's the next job? Where's the next paycheck coming from? And, yeah. But you wouldn't want to do anything else. I think I would want to do anything oh. else. I would want. I think I'm one of those like people that just have a lot of interests. Yeah. And like I, I can't, that's good. I can't sit still. I think the 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 reason I, one of the reasons at least that I've gone into like filmmaking or theater or filmmaking more than theater, but it's like you can live in another world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, coming out of high school, I was like, what a dream it would be if I was a professional chef or I was a professional athlete. Or I could just travel the world mm. or whatever, right? Mm. Being a filmmaker, you can kind of can do all those things because you just make a movie about being a professional chef. Yeah. Make a movie about being a professional athlete. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of a cheap, <laughs> it's a cheap way of doing oh, okay. all those things, yeah. um, which I didn't think about when I chose to do a film degree. But now I'm like, oh yeah, that mm. is cool. And also with filmmaking, you can like go back in time, like make a period piece, go live in the 1200s or whatever, go live in the future. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool. How spiritual would you say you are? Not very spiritual. I'm pretty ma- material, I guess. Not material in that I like things, but like... Oh, so that's, that's one of the things that you're quite different to your brother. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I'm definitely not religious. We were we were ra- raised within a pretty religious community, and I respect that. Yeah. And, and that's cool. That's fine. But religion is not where I get my personal fulfillment from and spirituality it's like people throw this term around spirituality and they just they like try to make it distinct from religion and i'm like what is that then like if if not religion what is spirituality like i think like no no go that's not a rhetorical question please okay for me i think spirituality can be separate to religion religion can be a system Mm -hmm. whereas spirituality you can access and live that without being tied to a religion or a community necessarily. Yeah, 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 totally. I guess whatever one is accessing in that, in spirituality, what is that? Like, and it, probably my answer would be I access that through art, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Like meditation and stuff? Like, yeah. I, I, I've tried meditation and I love it. I'm yeah. just I'm just a bit useless with it. But in terms of like moments of connection yeah. with, with like, I don't know, the, the superior life force <laughs> yes. or, or God or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I get that when I'm when you have these moments making yes. art or seeing art or yeah. listening to music or at a concert or like off your face yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So for me like spirituality spiritual, yeah, yeah. spirituality is other people for yes. me. Like so I guess my religion your, is like my religion is my friends. Yeah. Like <laughs> Oh well, it doesn't have to be religion, but your your <coughs> my spiritual your connected. fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
as other people mm. for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounded like a cop out answer. I think. But no, that was that was a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Are you spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. I was raised quite Catholic. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I'm not religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of spiritual sense of connection, connection to life and other people, and like things, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 that sort of stuff, I'm interested in. I feel that. Okay. Well, do you have? Is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Um, Questions, comments, that anything? No, I feel like I didn't talk about being Asian much, but maybe that's okay. I don't know. We don't know. And that's it's called thing. Asian and Aotearoa. I know. So I, was I, like, I, know. Like, I don't want a fucking podcast of just talking about being Asian. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think like, that's probably what people think that the, the podcast is about, but it's just I don't know. I created it. Guess, we can talk yeah. about whatever we want. That's, <laughs> that's true. You're the boss. <laughs> but, it, but I know, but it can be, it's Asian and Aotearoa because that's something that we might feel like we are or not at all yeah. on any given time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think. <laughs> I think it's it's Asian enough just for you and I just talking about anything we want. Yeah, it's it's Asian <laughs> enough to just like get us in. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we can talk about anything. Yeah. yeah I, go. I go, some some episodes we go the whole thing without talking about like identity. Great. So. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do, do you want to talk more about being Asian? No, no. No. <laughs> enough. No. Yeah, enough. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Finish these sentences. Hmm. I'm feeling inspired by. Uh, the work of other people or specifically do you want specific if, if you want to succession love succession yeah that was yeah just amazing tv it was amazing I, I, honestly we finished it a week ago and I've really just been, I've, yeah i know i was late to the i we started watching it from episode one season one after the finale aired oh my and god. i managed to dodge all the spoilers it was oh great oh my god and we watched it within like two weeks and I've just been binging all the like interviews and behind the yeah. scenes and Jeremy Strong. Oh, intense! Have you watched his? Um, he did an interview. Was it GQ or British? It was something, and it's like pulling things out of his bag. It was like oh. he was like all, all ten favorite things, and he brought like all these yeah, intellectual. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, I haven't seen the. It's like the, I've seen the, the the square thing, the, the tile, tile, the tile, but I haven't yeah, clicked on it. Yeah, fuck, that's probably one of my favorite shows. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to. Performing Boom Shankar at Q Theatre. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Get your tickets now. Get okay. your tickets now, yeah. I'd love to be known for. I don't really care about being known. I like, known by who? I, this is now stitching up. You'll finish the sentence, sorry. No, that's fine. But I think literally Balamahan said the exact same thing. Oh, yeah? He, he I'm pretty sure. Well, there you go. That's said, how we're similar. Yeah, yeah. He actually said, I don't want to be known. I'm pretty sure he said that. I don't want to be known. Yeah. I don't want to be known. Which is going to be a hard thing if I am, if I stay in, in filmmaking because directors and actors are like tend to get pretty famous if they get successful. Mm. But if there's a way of getting successful without getting famous, I want that. That question doesn't necessarily have to be like uh, it could be to like, the world. Right, right. It could be like among my friends or yeah. something. Okay. What was it again? I'd love to be known for... Being a genuine good friend. Maybe. Not maybe. We'll take it. <laughs> Bala, thank you so much for coming in for a chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been awesome. Thanks for listening. This episode was made possible thanks to Foundation North, Creative New Zealand and Big Fan. If you like what you're hearing, please follow and share the podcast with your friends. And lastly, if you want Asian and Aotearoa updates going straight to your inbox, sign up to the newsletter at the link in the show notes. See you next time.